Hi, welcome back to another episode of Cycling Talk Podcast with me, Georgia Mahoney. Today I'm joined by track rider for Scotland and Great Britain, Nia Evans. Nia got into cycling quite late after originally training as a vet and it was really great to hear her cycling life story. I hope you enjoy listening. Thank you for joining me today, Nia. Thank you very much for having me. What's your first memory of being on a bike? So my first memory is, I reckon I must have been about five-ish and it was at my parents' house playing about with my brothers. Um, I don't know if it was technically a bicycle or whether it was a trike, um, but yeah, we used to cycle laps around the house as children, um, playing games, cycling up and down grassy banks. Um, I guess with that kind of start, I probably should have been a cyclocross rider, but um, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> um, so it was very much just, playing as a kid um that was my kind of intro into bicycles what's the first bike you remember being really excited about so I've got two older brothers um and as a kid I inherited the bikes as they grew they got newer bikes and I got the, <laughs> the 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 smaller bike um so the first time I really got excited about having my own bike was when I kind of almost started a little bit of cycling uh, so that was actually 2014 and that was the first time I'd gone out or my dad took me out and we actually bought a bike and I remember being very excited because I had like the proper um, drop down handlebars and I'd never had a bike like that before and I was like oh this actually looks like a proper bicycle mm-hmm. um, so yeah I was really excited. So you mentioned your brothers rode their bikes were your friends into cycling when you were growing up? No, because growing up, I was into horse riding and ponies and I really was not at all into cycling. Um, My dad's always cycled and like when he was younger, he used to race. And I remember going to horse competitions and he would either like cycle there or cycle back. And I was always a bit like, oh, yeah, I just don't get it um really <laughs> it's like that's what he did and that was fine my brothers were kind of into it and they would sometimes go away for weekends of like cycling um there used to be this little island not far from where um we grew up and I think it was 10 miles or something and they'd go and cycle around it and they did that and I had the option and yeah wasn't keen I wanted to go and ride my pony um so yeah growing up I had zero interest in cycling it was just a sport that other people did um I remember like my dad watching the Tour de France and all these things and I grew up very much with it and I must have picked up a lot more than I realized but I had no interest to go and yeah take it seriously or really cycle at that stage. So as you've said your family were very sporty and your mum even competed in the Winter Olympics four years before you were born. Was being an athlete always something that you were interested in? I think growing up, um, my parents really encouraged me and my brothers to be active and be sporty, but it was never, a, there was never like, you're going to go and be an athlete. This could be a full-time career. It was, yeah, if you enjoy it, do it. Um, and I think they, I wouldn't say that they pushed us into having careers, but they said like, you know, academic, get a job that you enjoy and that allows you to go and do your kind of hobbies, but it was always going to be sport was a, a serious hobby. I'd never, growing up, I never thought that I would be an athlete. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to work with horses. I think 
for a bit, I thought it'd be really cool to be like a professional event rider. And the reality of that, I was like, that's quite a hard life. Um, you know, relying effectively on your body, you have an accident and that could be, you know, your career on ended, mm-hmm. uh, which is part of the reason that I thought, no, I'm, I would like to be a vet so that I can work with horses um, and then compete in my spare time was my <laughs> my master plan growing up, um, which, yeah, <laughs> not quite how it's panned out, but I think it's come pretty good for me. So I, I definitely was always going to be sporty and active, but I never thought that it would be a career for me. Um, so that's pretty cool. So tell me about your time at uni and training to be a vet. So when I started university, I had a horse and I was kind of venting and I joined like the riding club and I was quite big into the kind of social scene. I very much went to university and enjoyed the university lifestyle, shall we say. Um, <laughs> and I loved training for, for veterinary. It was really hard. Um, I definitely did not always get the balance of uh, studying versus partying right. Uh, <laughs> and yeah it's five years and it is a bit different from other courses because you, you're with this kind of group of people and it's you, you go around all the same kind of classes where I know like um I had friends who did um different degrees and they kind of mix much more with different kind of cohorts of people whereas us was just this kind of our year mm. and the vet school was kind of uh, so it's Glasgow University and the vet school was kind of out on a different campus um which made we kind of had our own little bubble if that makes sense um and it was really fun I, I absolutely loved university such a good experience um and I got to do it for five years and then at one point my horse got injured ended up in the vet school getting treated the night before <laughs> it was the night before one of my sets of exams and I'm kind of stood there with my horse as a patient and um one of the clinicians walks in and goes if you don't get an exam tomorrow it's like yep um <laughs> And um, so that was, so my horse got injured and she needed quite a lot of time off. And I decided that I needed to do a sport and being a student, I didn't have um, a huge amount of money. So I was like, right, what can I do fairly cheap? And my mom said, oh, you should do, you should go running, uh, join the running club. Um, Cause she, along with skiing, she had done a lot of hill running. Um, and I thought, yeah, cool, join that. So I did that and I absolutely loved it. Got in with a really good group of friends. Um, and I just love running. I love the freedom of it. I love that you could just put on your shoes and go out um, anytime, you know, morning, noon, night, whatever it was. Um, and I absolutely love that. And then towards the end of university, I got um, kind of ill, injured, just got the the lifestyle balance a little bit wrong, should we say. Um, and I got to the stage that I couldn't run. And I really, I really missed it. And I was like, I need to do something to keep fit. And my dad, all the way through, had said, you'd be much better at cycling than you would be running. And I was like, yeah, whatever, dad. Like, what do you know? <laughs> I like running. <laughs> Don't like cycling. Not doing it. And, um, yeah, so at this point, he was like, no, like, give it a go. And I was like, oh, I can actually cycle when I couldn't run. And it was this kind of, you know, like a light switch moment. I was like, oh, I get it. I, I, can, uh, I had enough fitness from the running to be able to go out for um a reasonable ride and I was like suddenly it just kind of clicked of like ah I see why you like cycling <laughs> um and that was yeah that was the beginning of it um I haven't looked back since really so when did you start to sort of take up cycling a bit more and take it a bit more seriously and do some proper training so I started um 
it was my final year of vet school that I kind of started cycling. So that was 2014. And yeah, I did. My dad got me so the Chris Hoy Velodrome just opened um, ahead of the Commonwealth Games. And he knows my kind of personality well enough to go, you'll love it. And he booked me in for the accreditation thing. And I was a bit like, oh, not really sure. But I did it mainly to keep him happy and just because I knew that he'd be on at me if I didn't. And I mean, he was right. I absolutely loved it. And I was like, oh, this is really good fun. Like I'd never had um, clipping pedals. I'd never been on a fixed gear bike. I was like the ultimate chopper. But I just thought it was really fun. Um, obviously, you went really fast, and I was like, "Yeah, this is this is pretty cool." So I did the accreditation, and then I did a couple of you know track leagues, and I kind of fell into people, kind of met people from Glasgow Wheelers, the, the cycling club, and they were like, "Oh, you should come out and some club runs." So I started doing um some club runs with them, and I also discovered that Glasgow University had a cycling club. Um, I hadn't gone out and looked for one because I was part of the running club, and I was. Yeah, I had a great time hanging out with them. But I kind of fell in and started speaking to a few people from the cycling club and they said, oh, we do this thing called Bucks. And they're always desperate for um, people to, to compete. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, I'll give it a go. Because I'm very competitive, uh, it seemed quite natural. And I, I mean, as I said, I was the ultimate chopper when I started. Um, did not have a clue. And it's really funny looking back because it's like, yeah, I, I, I was so clueless. Um, but I just really enjoyed it and everyone was so encouraging and supportive I kind of didn't feel though I knew I knew nothing I did no one really made a comment and everyone kind of gave me a hand and explained how you changed the gear and all that kind of stuff so in 2016 you became a national champion on the track how did you progress to this national level of racing um I had been really fortunate when I was at university that there was a couple of people who had connections with Scottish cycling. And after the Commonwealth Games, the Scottish cycling staff had said, listen, we're looking for new people, all that kind of like mainstream riders are having some time off after commies. Um, and we're, we're looking to see if there's anyone, you know, with a bit of talent to come through. And I hadn't got contacted, but some a girl who I was training with, um, had been invited along and they'd said, oh, if you know anybody else? And she said, oh, would you fancy it? And I was like, yeah, let's go along. Um, so I went along and actually I started off as on the sprint programme and I was really fortunate that I got on the programme pretty quickly in that they, they just gave me a trial and said, listen, we train on a Tuesday, Thursday afternoon. If you can come along, um, great, and we'll kind of help you and support you. So I was so fortunate that, I only had a kind of short window of being semi-self-sufficient and trying to learn what to do. And then I got um, help from Scottish Cycling and that was, yeah, really kickstart things for me. And then um, I just said I got the, it was a national Downey champs and um, there was a, a Downey driver, Davey Urquhart, and he'd done it quite a lot with guys. And he said, oh, do you fancy doing it? Because it's, I, I think a couple of the guys he drove for were on the Scottish programme and it, it was just, you know, word of mouth. And I said, yeah, why not? And we did a couple of sessions, kind of training, and then um, I went down and did it, not particularly high expectations, and, yeah, came away and, and won it. And I was like, oh, that's really cool, that was fun. But I still didn't take myself particularly seriously at that stage. of um, I was working as the vet, and it was very much a juggle of um, trying to fit cycling around quite hard working hours 
Um, so it wasn't really, uh, oh, right, I've made it, um, whatever else. It was just a, wow, that's quite a big achievement. That's cool. Um, back to the day job kind of thing. So you fully focused on cycling in 2017 and joined the GB squad. How did you make the decision and how did the join happen? So I was super fortunate in the the Revolution um, track series was happening, um, must be winter 2016. So I'd done that and um, I've won quite a lot of the rounds. Um, so I was doing really well, beating quite a lot of the um, British cycling kind of uh, riders at that stage and I got invited down to do um, some testing with them and jump up for a track session and looking back the the numbers that I did in the testing really weren't very good but I was I was good at um, the bunch racing and the track session and Paul Manning who was a coach at that point said yep we'd like to to get you on the program and it was one of these um, kind of things but at that stage I was thinking that it'd be really cool to make it to the Commonwealth Games. And I was like, oh, if I could get a year training with British Cycling before um, the Commonwealth Games, that's like that's the best build-up I could have. That'd be amazing. Mm. And at that stage, I was still working, um, although I'd work, um, dropped my hours to kind of part-time. And I remember going through and speaking to my boss, and I always time it. If I had something to ask him, I'd always wait till he was doing surgery because it meant he couldn't walk away. Um, so he was doing surgery and I, I kind of wandered through and was like, is that a good time? And he's like, right, go for it. What is it this time? And um, I said to him, listen, I've been given the opportunity to cycle full time with British Cycling. Obviously, it means that I've moved down to Manchester. Um, like, I think I'm going to do it. And he was like, he kind of looked at me and just was like, yeah, you'd be stupid not to. <laughs> um, and I guess that was the, yeah, I kind of would be. It's like, you're always going to be a vet. You can come back to it. And he kind of said, you know, <laughs> you'll always have a job. Just give me a phone call. And I guess because I had that kind of safety net of, I knew I could literally phone him up and say, listen, can I get my job back? And he would he would sort me out. It then meant I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take this gamble. At the time, I think I was probably a little bit naive. I almost didn't realise what an opportunity it was. It was just because everything had progressed so quickly with the cycling. It, it's not like I took it for granted, but I was just like, yeah, cool. Like, this is the next step. This is the next stage. Yeah, let, let's go for it. And now looking back, it's like, it was a huge thing. Um, But I kind of, maybe I was just so sleep deprived from all the hours I've been working. Um, I didn't almost realise at the time. Uh, And then, yeah, so that was just before the Cali World Cup. And I remember I, I finished work. And like, I'd been on call, went and did like morning work. Um packed up the stuff in my car went back to surgery dropped off like all my keys and stuff and that was it drove down to Manchester um car full of like my life at that point <laughs> and um I think a couple of days later flew out to Cali World Cup mm. and yeah that was the start of it and it just seemed so natural at that point um really wasn't prepared for it but it was good fun <laughs> how did you feel when that your first time representing GB was that World Cup? Um, It was weird because it almost, the way it was kind of lined up, it was just so casual. It was just, you know, I just kind of slotted in. Um, it's like, right, you're going to do this, right, you're going to do that. And there wasn't really many questions asked. It just happened. 
and he yeah it was a bit surreal and I think because it all happened so quick I've literally like I've been working I think I maybe did one or two sessions with him and then we flew out and it was the longest flight I'd ever been on and there was just so much kind of thrown at me at that stage and they give me a new bike and like I still remember getting this um suitcase literally full of kit and I was just like wow this is this is ridiculous um and there was like so many things that everyone on the program just took for granted of like there was a mechanic doing gears it was like a swanny for massage um there was like all the nutrition products it's just everything was there um and it was this incredible setup and yeah at the time I was like oh there was so many kind of different thoughts and also the chance to sleep and not have an on-call phone was amazing (laughs) so how did your training and the way that you were riding change once you moved down to Manchester and you were doing these international races with GB so the biggest thing that changed was I could actually recover um whereas before I'd been trying to I'd been given like a training program and I did everything I could to try and do these hours and, and fit it all in. And it meant that I literally never sat down. I remember that the sofa in my flat was the most uncomfortable sofa in existence, but it didn't matter because I never actually sat on it. It was either training or at work or sleeping. Um, I had no downtime. So all of a sudden I trained and then I didn't have to do anything for the rest of the day. And it was really weird. And um, I lived with Casey Archibald at that point. And I think she must have thought I was nuts because I literally couldn't sit still. I was just like, I should be doing something. And I felt really guilty because I wasn't doing something. Um, and I was just like, I, this is bizarre. Why, why am I not doing stuff? Um, but I wasn't almost fit enough. And I didn't know to go out for like really big, long rides. Still at that stage, like a three hour ride was like really quite long for me. So I just had so much free time in the day. Um, and I just slept so much to begin with. Uh, I had several years of not enough sleep that I was trying to catch up on. <laughs> and then the, it was also quite weird because all of a sudden I was part of this kind of bigger squad. And at that stage in the Olympic cycle, um, the academy were training a lot with podium. So I got straight on the podium squad. I think that was the first time anyone had ever gone from like never representing GB and then straight onto podium. Mm. Um, And I was just so clueless about so many things that everyone just took for granted that you would know. Uh, and I just I didn't know so it was such a steep learning curve um, and then it was really fun because I was training with girls and I never really at that stage like there'd been one or two girls that I trained with but all of a sudden it's like we're doing a Madison session and I wasn't the only girl doing it or we were doing like TP and there was like two lines of the TP and up to that stage like I'd never done team pursuit because on the Scottish program at that stage um, it was just male riders so I would like lead it in for them and then try and sit on the back for as long as I could and then blow up and like get <laughs> papped out. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm going up and I'm doing team suit with like, some of the best team suit riders in the world. Um, But actually, you know, I had teammates and it was really, yeah, it was really weird. Um, But it was, it was a bit different because up to that point, everything had, a lot of my training had been focused about me and what I needed. Whereas all of a sudden there was like this kind of team dynamic and like you go to a track session, it's what the, like the team was doing rather than what you as an individual. Um, and I think at the time looking back, like it, it, I was learning so much. I wasn't really developing hugely physically, but I think it just, I had to go through that phase of, of just kind of slotting in, understanding it 
um, trying to build some skills about team pursuit because it's it's one of these weird things. You watch it, and if it if the team does it well, it looks really easy and really straightforward. And actually, there's a lot more to it and a lot more kind of intricacies to it. But I just didn't have a clue. Um, so yeah, it was it was very very different from what I'd ever had before. That year, you joined Story Racing on the road. How did this join happen? So Story Racing had been a evolution. They'd been Podium Ambition, and they had contacted me um, after the Revolution series and said, "Do you want to to race for us for the revs?" Um, which I did because the first couple I'd done, I'd done for Scottish Cycling, but they didn't always get a team entered. And then Podium Ambition had said, like, we would like you to, to race for us. And that was, it was one of those kind of moments you're like, oh, wow, someone's actually approached me to ride for them. This is really cool. Um, so I jumped at the opportunity and then they they changed um, to become Story Racing. Mm-hmm. And it also helped that I was living with Katie and Katie had kind of, um, I'd spoken to her a little bit before getting onto the programme and she had ridden when they were something previously, um, but knew the stories really well and kind of said, yeah, it'd be a good team to kind of start out with. Um, and they were really useful and just, they, they didn't live that far away so they could take me to races, um, understood that I thought I was really keen and physically quite good, pretty clueless. Um, so helped kind of me navigate and just find my find my feet a little bit for road racing midway through the season you fractured your collarbone how did this happen and how did your recovery go so I was at Fiorenzola which is a outdoor concrete track in Italy and I was super excited because Italy I don't know why but it was one of these countries that I'd always kind of wanted to visit um so I was getting getting to go there for bike race so it was like this kind of double whammy it was really cool um, I'd never ridden a velodrome that wasn't um, 250 meters, never ridden a concrete track. So it was all a bit like, oh, this is this is a bit weird. Um, and it was the first race of the first night was an elimination race. And I just remember somebody crashed in front of me and I went flying over, flying over my handlebars, landed badly. Um, and I kind of stood up. And it was like in the bottom corner. I remember standing up and looking and Paul's running over towards me and I'm kind of going, oh, not a great first impression. <laughs> um, and I picked up the bike and kind of checked it over and he kind of came over and took one look at me. I was like, no, you're not getting back up. Go over and see the medical tent. Um, and there was like the girl that caused the crash and I think a couple of others kind of lying there screaming. Um, and like the medical people like ran over to them. So I just kind of wandered over to the medical tent. And it's one of these with my... Yeah, with my kind of um, veterinary kind of went up and fell and I just went, oh, shoot. Um, and the medical people then kind of came back over and was like, oh, what's happened? I was like, I've broken my collarbone. Um, obviously, they were speaking Italian at me and I'm t- kind of gesturing and they, 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 they wanted to like examine it. And I was like, you do not need to examine it. You can feel it like sticking out. Um, and then Paul came over and I was just like, yeah, I've broken it. And he was like, ah. So that that was that and went off to hospital. And then it turned out, I then realised, was like, I've also done something in my back. So I'd actually broken my collarbone and my shoulder blade, um, which wasn't ideal. And I remember this kind of hilarious moment of being in bed and realising that I was kind of stuck because I couldn't sit up because of the collarbone and I couldn't really lie back because of my shoulder blade. And I was just kind of lying there going, I'm kind of stuck in bed a bit. <laughs> um 
and it, yeah, it was. I felt like a beach whale. I was just like, I don't know what to do. It kind of like managed to wiggle my head, way to the edge and, and get out of bed eventually. Um, but it was just one of those moments you're like, ah, oh, shoot, uh, this isn't good. Um, and then British Cycling, but they kind of flew me back, sent me to go and see a specialist, um, usual rehab thing, and everything was going pretty well. And I remember, so I've gone home for a bit because. Yeah, it's like you ride in the turbo, you might as well do that at home and um parents can run about and look after me. And um everything was going well and I went back down to Manchester and I was due to check in with the physio and then they were gonna give me the all clear and I was gonna go back out and start riding on the road and get back on the track and that was all fine. And I don't know how, but I had the most bizarre accident. Uh, the house that I was staying in had really steep stairs. And me and Katie had kind of joked that, oh, someone's going to fall down the stairs one day. And of course, I think I must have been like quite tired from traveling back because my parents live kind of North Aberdeenshire. So it's quite a, quite a long drive. And um, and I also stopped off and I'd done a gym session on the way down, which probably wasn't a smart move. But at the time, it seemed really sensible. And uh, I slipped at the top of the stairs and kind of fell down the stairs. And um, my hill running roots came back. And by the end of the stairs, like I managed to like regain my balance, and like I walked away. But in the initial kind of fall, I managed to hit something, and I I displaced my collarbone, and um, so I ha- then I had to phone the doctor and be like, yeah, so you know how I was coming to see you tomorrow? Um, yeah, I think I've displaced it. Can we get another X-ray? Um, so that was more time off the bike. So that was pretty heartbreaking, because uh, obviously I'd rehabbed it, and I knew. I knew exactly what was coming and how rubbish it was going to be. And I got really excited because I was like, yes, I can get off the turbo. And I got back on the turbo. Um, it healed pretty quick. Um, but yeah, it was pretty gutting. You got back racing with the six days on the track in London. How did you feel it went after your injury and having taken some time off of the bike? I can't remember. So I've done a few six-day races and I can't exactly remember the results. But I think Katie kind of had a bit of a clean sweep and I got very good at coming second. Um, Which, um, yeah, I think I was just so grateful to be back racing. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the six-day racing, the, you know, the atmosphere. It's it's quite a buzz. There's, there's not much time between the races. It's just kind of almost quick fire. Um, so I probably didn't feel particularly brilliant and not that fit, but it was just nice to be back racing. Um, I'm very much, I, I love a bike race. I love the, yeah, just the feel of it. So yeah, it, it was just nice to be able to do it again. In November, you got your first World Cup win in the team pursuit. How did you feel when you won that? Um, This is also possibly where I show how naive I was that, because I started off with British cycling, my first event was a World Cup, and then I think I'd done um the Poland World Cup just before Manchester. So I'd done kind of three World Cups, and I almost being part of British cycling, there's this huge expectation to do well, mm-hmm. and I remember being like ecstatic because obviously you won, um, everyone wants to win, and um, but it was also like ah, job done, this is this is what we're supposed to do kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was really fun. And I still remember the crowd and just how loud it was. And it was so exciting. There's a part of me that almost, I wouldn't say took it for granted, but because it is British cycling, this huge expectation, you can, it's not, 
was gonna say it's not as special. It is. It means it means a huge amount to you. But it's it's that pressure of, you know, you're riding with um, I think it was uh, me, Katie, L, and Emily Nelson. So you've got two Olympic champions there. There's this kind of expectation that you're going to do well. So it's almost like a kind of a, a sigh of relief of like, yeah, okay, we've, we've done it. We've, we've brought it together. Um, but yeah, it was it was such a, a buzz. Um, as I said, the crowd was ridiculous. I had had exposure of like really good crowds with like revs and the and the sixth day. Um, but it was it was very different because obviously it's a team event and then you know you're neck and neck with the team. So you can hear like if you're up, the crowd really gets behind you. And if you're down on split, there's a bit of a um so it, it yeah, it was it was really good. So obviously you said that you wanted to have a year on GB before the Commonwealth Games and 2018 was the Commonwealth Games year in the Gold Coast and you were selected to represent Scotland. Where were you when you found out? I honestly can't remember, um, which says quite a lot about my memory. Um, I mean, I've been somewhere down in Manchester, probably got an email. It's, it's one of these, who've, it's a weird kind of selection because the for Gold Coast, they had quite hard criteria that you had to meet. So I knew that I'd met the criteria um, so my chance of being selected was pretty high. Um, and then you, you get the, the confirmation email. Yeah, I really can't remember where it was, but I would have been very excited when it came through. <laughs> you started by winning bronze in the points race. How did you find the Commonwealth Games atmosphere and the race? Um, the atmosphere was cool. There was a lot of... Um, a lot of people's families, my, my family hadn't managed to, to fly out, but a lot of people's families had. So there was like this really big kind of... The Commonwealth Games is slightly different because it's it's kind of British cycling, but not British cycling. Mm-hmm. So you've got kind of a kind of like British support, but extra Scottish support. Um, and then the Aussies were pretty loud. Um, so it was it was really good, really nice atmosphere. Um, and it was for me a little bit unexpected I knew physically that I was in quite a good place and I'd done some really good training efforts I felt confident that I I could um but at that stage I was still relatively unknown compared to the the quite uh, the caliber of many riders out there I I didn't have any expectations on me um so it was it was one of these of I knew I could but I also had zero pressure to do it because yeah, the, the, there were no expectations of me. Um, so it was really, oh, it, it was very special to get that medal. Um, yeah, really proud of it. And then you got a silver medal in the scratch race. How did it feel to come away with two medals from your first Commonwealth Games? Yeah, uh, the silver and the scratch again. Um, I remember at one point, I think it was maybe about seven or eight laps to go and I was right at the back and I was like uh uh-uh, uh you have messed up this one um and then there was a bit of kind of Aussie team dynamics and a bit of a lead out train and everything just kind of unfolded and I saw my opportunity and I went and um yeah it was it was very cool because I think I was I was almost a little bit more relaxed because I got the the bronze medal I was like I've achieved something this is really good and then I just went in and had fun. And then it was like, ha, huh, two medals. That's, yeah, so much more than expected. As I said, I know 
I'd known going into it that I was physically in a good place and that I'd prepared well for the track events. Um, but as you'll know, track racing, like so much can happen, so much can go wrong. It's really, you can go in with the form of your life and come away with absolutely nothing. And then the flip side of you can have some really unexpected results. So it is, yeah, I oh, I was really pleased, really happy with that. That year you did your first women's tour on the road. Can you tell me about that experience? So that was, um, yeah, <laughs> I hadn't done a huge amount of road racing. Um, I think I'd done, and obviously nothing, done nothing of that kind of standard or caliber. And I was very much um, out my depth and pretty clueless. Um, and looking back, I the way I raced really made it pretty difficult for myself of hanging out the back quite a lot of it. And then you got to a climb and all the good people put the pace down. And it was like, oh, this is quite hard to keep with it. Um, and there's a lot of things that people kind of took for granted that you would know. And I just, I really did not. Um, and the first kind of two stages, I remember just feeling so, uh, I don't know what I'm doing here. How are people doing what they're doing? And then all of a sudden it kind of clicked a little bit and I was like, oh, I kind of get this. And um, I think it was the third stage or fourth stage, I can't remember. Um, all of a sudden I found myself kind of in the front portion of the race coming towards the finish. And I was like, huh, this is like a really chaotic scratch race. This is kind of fun. Um, and all of a sudden it was like, yeah, I like this. I, I, I get this now. I think I can't remember I think I got a top 10 finish or something but it was just a it was one of those kind of moments of was like I'm actually in a place to be able to do something whereas before I'd just been way too far back and so I'd felt kind of good but I wasn't really I didn't know what to do and by the time it's like ah this is where the spin happens I was just way too far back um, and on that stage I just managed to move myself up and I was like ah right I get I get it now um what happened after that? I remember the final stage, it was going to be another sprint finish and I was kind of in the mix and it was pretty chaotic and people were trying to do lead out trains and I didn't have anyone who was um there for lead out trains. I was just like, right. I'd heard people talk about wheel stuff and I was like, right, I need to try and give this a go. Um, And I was kind of going, right, trying to pick out people and be like moving forward. And I was really quite confident actually that I was going to be able to do fairly well. And then I just remember someone like cut in front of me and they, I don't know if they put the foot or the pedal or something went through my spokes and um, I managed to keep upright, but I ripped out half the spokes from my front wheel and I was a bit like, oh, um, that's my race over and like the final 750 metres or something. And I was really disappointed because I was like, I'd kind of got my head around it a little bit. Um, and then obviously that happened and that was race over. Um, in hindsight, I did really well to keep it upright. But at the time, I just remember being so disappointed that I couldn't sprint and then having to to tell Barney that his wheel was broken. <laughs> I was like, sorry, Barney. <laughs> I'm going to put the foot through your, your nice carbon wheel. Um, so that was a bit of a shame. But I, yeah, I, it was a really steep learning curve and I thought I learned a lot. But now looking back, I realised that I still was still very clueless towards the end of that. Um, and I'd almost wish to have that opportunity again of I actually had physically like pretty good legs but I just did not have any tactical knowledge whatsoever um but yeah it was yeah different <laughs> back on the track of the European Championships you won in the team pursuit 
what did it mean to you to put that uh, European champs jersey on? Oh, it was so special. Um, I think that's one of the beautiful things about cycling is that you get given this jersey and everyone knows what it means. So it was, yeah, it was really cool. I don't know. I, I'd like to say I kind of didn't expect it to some extent, but as a team, we'd be going really well. Um, and it was it was such a special moment. I think because I've watched cycling since I was really young, I found it really weird watching other sports and like the European champion and world champion didn't have like the the stripes and the sort of different kit or jerseys or whatever. I found it really weird. I think it's quite a special thing about cycling. Yeah, I love it about cycling. Um, I think possibly for me, because I was more into other sports when I came into cycling and you got given this jersey, I was a bit like, hmm, this is a bit odd. Um, but I think it's such a nice acknowledgement for what you've achieved. And I know having got to race in it at other events, kind of subsequently, when you get to put on your special, you know, your Euro skin mm-hmm. suit, it's, it's really fun and it's really good. And it's um it's almost that kind of joke of like in training, if you're having a bit of a, if you're not feeling great, you, you put on your your, your your champ skin suit and it, it definitely gives you an extra little morale boost. And it's just, it really is, because it's universally recognised, you know, when you see someone with the Euro stripes or the world champs or whatever it is, you can see that and it's almost like there's this extra acknowledgement of what you've achieved. Um, and I, I, yeah, I think it's really, really cool. And you see that now with um, some of the nations with um, like the Olympic champs that they'll have like extra gold detailing or something like that. Um, I think it's really, yeah, it's what is something that cycling does that I think other sports should to learn to to embrace as well. At the national championships at the start of the year in 2019, you took the win in the points race and second in the individual pursuit but you set a new PB. You must have been so pleased with how this went. Yeah, so the um, I think I set a PB in qualifying. I definitely surprised myself and I think quite a few people um, because with British Cycling, we focus a lot on Team Pursuit. That's our kind of main backbone and that's most of our training is Team Pursuit based and then we'll do some bunch of sessions around it, but we never really do individual pursuit training. So it was a bit of an unknown quantity and just a little bit of wing it and we'll see. Um, And it, yeah, it went really well. Uh, there was a big PB, so I was delighted. And then I was in the final against Katie and we have very different styles of, I like to go off hot and blow up and try and manage the blow up to the best of my ability. Um, whereas Katie comes out quite conservatively and then just kind of ramps it and progressively gets kind of quicker and quicker. And I remember that obviously I was up for quite a chunk of the ride and I was like, just hold on, just hold on, just hold on. And then you can hear it in the crowd and you're like, oh, damn. <laughs> um, and it's just that kind of moment of, yeah, she's she's come strong. Um, my blow up has, has come too soon. Um, but it was, yeah, so it was really nice. Got a nice PB in that. And then um, the points race, yeah, I won that. And it was, again, the national championships for us they can be really competitive and really hard because you've got, you know, the likes of Katie, Laura, L. you know, there's a lot of really good riders, academy riders coming through. And it's, 
it's such a kind of cagey race because the kind of youngsters they know that they don't have to chase because the podium girls are gonna probably do a lot more of the work than the kind of chasing but you can't afford to to do too much so it's it can actually be a really difficult race to actually win um so yeah it was it, it was very nice to come away with the, the win in that one you won the omnium at the six days in hong kong can you tell me about the races um so the omnium it must have been the hong kong six day was a little bit bizarre because i think it's just been off the back of worlds which hadn't gone hugely well for me so i had a kind of point to prove um and then got to hong kong and i remember arriving really jet lagged and um the six days are a little bit different because we with British Lightning you get used to having mechanics and a lot of support and yeah just a, a big support team and then you go out to the six days and it's it's pretty much self-sufficient um or the six day company put on a lot to help but uh in terms of us personally we, we, we don't have so much support as we're used to so it's a kind of bit more relaxed in some sense um but I definitely felt that I had a point to prove mainly to myself because I knew physically I was in a good place but um the world hadn't gone quite so well and I just remember getting really stuck into it and really enjoying it and just making it a hard race uh which suits suits me um and yeah won that and it was a really fun trip because we did a little bit of sightseeing because it is a little bit more relaxed we went off and saw some of the the, the sites um which we don't often get to do on uh bigger trips so it was yeah it was really fun Towards the end of the year, you defended your European Champs title in the team pursuit. What did it mean to you to be able to wear the European Champs jersey two years in a row? Um, oh, I think because I'd because I'd won it once and I kind of knew how special it was to be able to wear that kit again. There was a lot of, yeah... A lot of me wanted to to defend it and win it again, um, and obviously we did, and that was that was really good, and very special, because as we kind of said before, it is so unique that you get to wear this special kit, um, and I yeah, I experienced it, and was like, I don't want to give that up, <laughs> I want to keep being able to do that, um, so yeah, it was it it was very cool to be able to win it again, and I think it was the same the same lineup of it was the same kind of five of us that did it. And so it was nice that we we were able to to do it all again together. Not too long after Europeans, there was a World Cup in Glasgow. What was it like to you to win in front of a home crowd? It sounds so cliche, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like, I love a home crowd because they are, like, the l- sound that they produce. I don't know if the acoustics of Glasgow is particularly good, um, but I I still remember just how loud it was and so many people supporting and it was really nice for me because obviously Glasgow's where I learned to ride the track mm-hmm. um I did kind of drop-ins I did track league uh, so there was so many people that you look up into the crowd and there's so many people that you recognize from yeah back when I was a chopper and yeah didn't have a clue mm-hmm. um so it was really nice to be able to kind of see all these people and be like yeah look I can actually ride my bike now and I'm not completely clueless um and then obviously because at that point, we're European champs, so you get to do it in the Euros kit as well. It was it was a lovely way to almost come back to Glasgow and and yeah, and race again in front of that crowd. It was pretty special. Twenty twenty was a bit of a different year due to COVID, but there was still some track racing at the start of the year, including the World Champs in Berlin. How did that go for you? It was good and bad 
in that uh, in terms of team pursuit, we we raced pretty well, but we knew we had a bit more to give. Um, so we came away with a silver medal. And I think we were a little bit disappointed, but we kind of felt it was going to be our final TP ahead of the Olympics. Um, obviously, we didn't know who was going to be going at that stage, but I think we kind of felt we had a good momentum and we're like, okay, we've got bits that we need to work on and develop, but we, we're physically in quite a good place. Obviously, it would have been very nice to win, um, but the Americans were really strong. And I remember that we all were quite impressed with how the Germans came out. We're like, oh, that's... They, they kind of had a, a mishap in qualification. But I I remember thinking, wow, they, they've gone really well. And then I did the Madison and it didn't go so well. Um, it was one of these, we'd been trying out quite a few different kind of pairings and I'd done Canada World Cup with Laura and that had gone pretty well. And then she'd obviously then crashed and was injured. Um, Katie wasn't going so well at that stage, I think. Um, and it ended up that it was me and Elle and we hadn't done a huge amount of training for it together and I think it really showed in the race and it was so frustrating because we both knew that physically we were good riders and going well but it just didn't come together in the Madison Um, so that was really pretty disappointing but I think it was one of these of it's the Madison at that point because it was still it'd been a couple of years that we've been racing it but it's still kind of developing and evolving and I think a lot of teams are getting a lot better um, and you and we got to Worlds and rather than being a couple of like good teams, it was like, uh, there's, you know, there's, you know, seven or eight and it was much harder to stay at the front of the race, which is so important for Madison. Um, and we just kind of got caught in the back too often. And yeah, it was a, a difficult race. Um, but that's, you know, you're racing at World Championships. It's not going to be easy. Um, and I think it gave kind of fuel to, right, we need to, we need to readdress how we're preparing for this because we do so much preparation for the team pursuit and so little for the for the Madison and I think it showed. Um and then it was kind of like we need to we need to change how we're training. But yeah, at that point we we didn't have a clue about COVID, which was just as well, I think. But it was one of the last races before lockdown. How did you find lockdown? Yeah, so I remember we got back and there was talks about this kind of weird virus, but nothing really uh, was affecting us. And we were supposed to be doing those Manchester six day um, was supposed to be taking place. I was really excited for that because I think that was going to be like probably our last bunch race and then knuckle down ahead of the Olympics. And then it got cancelled because of COVID and it was a bit of a, oh, this is this is a lot more serious than I think a lot of people kind of given it credit for. And it was just almost a warning of things to come. Um, but then for me personally, um, I had quite a lot of excitement around that time because my other half, Johnny, was due to do go to altitude and try and set some world records with the um, Team Hoop. Mm-hmm. And they were actually out training in uh, Tenerife at that stage. They were then going to go to altitude and then he was actually going to retire. And we preemptively thought, right, he's going to retire. He's probably going to be a bit depressed and miss cycling so we decided this is a great time to get um a puppy and growing up with dogs and animals being a vet all the rest of it I'd always wanted a dog and never felt that I was able to have one and justify one because I was way too much but because Johnny was going to be based at home a lot more we're like this is a really good time um 
And long story short, we'd actually, we'd found a puppy and we'd agreed that we were going to go and pick him up. And I was going to pick him up um, after Manchester six day and go up and spend a little bit of time at my parents while Johnny was in Tenerife. And then because of the six day got cancelled, um, I was like, oh, I got to go and pick up my puppy early, um, which was very exciting. So I was only a little bit disappointed that it was cancelled. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I picked up Figaro and then went up to my parents in Aberdeenshire. And then obviously this kind of uh, lockdown happened and Johnny came and joined us up here. Um, and then I remember it was, I think it was either the day before or two, just after lockdown happened, I had the most bizarre training crash and I managed to um, break my shoulder blade again, uh, the other one this time. Um, and it was one of these, I remember just standing up and being like, oh damn, I know exactly what I've done. Um, and I was so panicked because I was like, the Olympics are coming and I just broken myself and this is terrible and I can't even pick up my puppy at the moment um yeah this is not good fun and then uh the Olympics got postponed and it was almost a bit of a all right cool bye um because I got them back on the table I think I was due I remember I crashed went to A&E and then went back the next day for a CT it was due to be a rest day anyway, had that as a rest day. And then I got on the turbo the day after to, to get back training. Um, so I hadn't actually lost any time. I just knew that I was going to spend a lot of time on the turbo. Um, but then because of the postponement, it was like, uh, pressure's off. I can relax a little bit more um, and just build kind of base fitness. Um, so I actually had probably very nice lockdown compared to many people because my parents live on a kind of small holding. Um had a new puppy there's loads of other animals yeah it was it was actually quite good <laughs> um and it was it was a really good time actually for training because there was no racing there was no distraction there was nothing else to do um so I got some really really good training consistent blocks um my training peaks uh you can see you just see this kind of step and then we're doing like a a, a kind of couple of week block and then you had a double rest day and then a couple of week block and you just see it can stepping up stepping up stepping up um and yeah at the time I almost didn't appreciate it but it was so good for for my training just because there was no distractions there was no travel there was nothing to get in the way of it um I was really fortunate that there's a, a local gym that I go to and he'd said oh you can take some weights away with you so I had um gym stuff at home um, my shoulder healed really quickly so I got back out on the road fairly fast and I just got an amazing training block done um, and yeah as I said I, I had a very cute little puppy to play with so it was <laughs> it wasn't too bad and especially when you hear stories of what other people went through um, I was very fortunate and I think being an athlete you're already quite an extreme lifestyle anyway so I didn't feel that I was missing out on a huge amount because yeah there isn't I I'm not one of these I I kind of feel that I did a lot of my social social life when I was at university so I don't feel that I need to to go to the pub or I need to go out to restaurants and do stuff I'm I'm quite happy just to kind of to focus on my training and and live a little bit of a hermit lifestyle so lockdown just was a extension of that um and I think I was yeah as I said I think I was really lucky um how it unfolded for me Obviously, you love racing and you didn't know when racing was going to restart. Was that quite 
sort of nice to just enjoy being on the bike and not sort of have to worry about training for something because it was just about sort of what was happening then yeah it was quite often you you're training and you know in a couple of weeks you're going to go and race or you've got this or you've got like um, a track session coming up and you need to be fresh for it and there's quite a lot of kind of hidden pressures um, where you're constantly trying to be in decent shape whereas this it was like I could just go away and dig a massive big training hole and I knew that I could then take several days off recover freshen up and then go again Mm-hmm. And I'd never had that the whole time since I've been cycling. I'd never had that huge block to do, and it was brilliant. It was it was probably I came out of lockdown in such good shape. Um, it really was, it was the best thing for me. I think, and yeah, I definitely miss not racing. But there was this going right. The Olympics are going to be a year later. What can I do? How much can I improve between now and then? Um, you know, there's a, the, a huge opportunity to improve and develop even further as a bike rider. And I think some people, there was a lot of people announced retirements and I think that they just felt that they couldn't keep going. Um, whereas for me, it was like, oh, this is a great opportunity to improve even more. So yeah, I, I tried to make the most of it. Your first race back was the Track European Championships. How did it feel to be back racing? So it was pretty bizarre. Um, it was really nice, like really good to be back racing. There was no crowd. Um, track centre was kind of semi-socially di- distanced. Um, everyone's wearing face masks. It was, yeah, it it was one of these things of it was like, yeah, I'm back racing, but also this is weird. Um and it it was yeah it was really odd because we we won the we won the team suits so we defended our title for the third year um which was huge and I remember kind of celebrating and normally there's like a crowd cheering and people kind of celebrating with you and there wasn't you can you know there's other athletes maybe sat in the grandstand and um the GB pit celebrating and that's it and it was really it was really odd. Um, now I've kind of got a bit more used to it because it's obviously happened several times. But uh, for the first time, it was it was a bit creepy almost because, yeah, you're not used to a quiet velodrome. You're used to like this eruption of noise and it, it just wasn't there, um, which was a little bit sad. But I also remember just feeling so grateful for the fact that we were there and able to race because there'd been a lot of kind of rumours of, it's going to happen, it's not going to happen, it's going to happen, it's not going to happen. So I think in my head, I kind of built up to the fact that this might not even happen. Um, And then it did. And then we won. So it was just like, oh, it was it was good to be back. 2021 wasn't supposed to be an Olympics year. But as we said, because of COVID, uh, the Tokyo 2020 Olympics were moved to 2021. How did it feel to be selected for your first Olympic Games? Um, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. Um, I think for me, when I first started cycling, it was just a bit of fun and it was just a way of keeping fit so that I could get back into running and then it kind of progressed and it was like, oh, let's get on the Scottish cycling program. And I did that. And then it was like, oh, maybe, maybe I could try and, um, get to a Commonwealth Games and, and race for Scotland. And then I did that and I got medals. And then it was a, hmm, 
I wonder, you know, what what could I do as being part of kind of British cycling? And then all of a sudden it was this kind of, I wonder if I could get to the Olympics. And then it was this kind of journey of trying to trying to achieve that next goal. And then when I achieved it and got the letter saying that you're going, it was just a, oh, wow, it's it's actually all falling into place. And it was a really nice time because I got a lot of um, lovely messages from people and obviously doing a little bit of kind of media and stuff around it. And it was a really good opportunity to kind of reflect and look at where I'd come from and how quick it all happened. Because mm. I think when you're living it, you, I wouldn't say you take it for granted, but it just seems quite normal and it's just, you know, the next step, the next step, the next step, and this kind of process. Um, and it was a really good opportunity to take time and kind of reflect of what I had achieved and how far I had come in such a short space of time. And a little bit humbling almost at the same time of like, wow, I, because I don't often give myself credit for what I've achieved. Um, and then it's kind of going, actually, I have achieved a lot in a very short space of time. Um, and it was really nice to almost take a moment to appreciate that and then go, okay, right now the series, you know, <laughs> now I've been selected, I've, I've got to got to perform to go with it. Um, but yeah, so there was so much more than just getting that kind of selection letter of saying you're going. Because obviously for some people, just getting to the Olympics is a huge achievement. And for, for me, it wasn't even, that's not even when I started cycling that I thought that was going to be on my radar. It was only, I'd say, after the Commonwealth Games, I kind of thought, hang on a minute, could I actually do this? Can I get to the Olympics? And then you get that kind of letter and selection, you have that reflection, and then you kind of go, yeah, but it's not just about getting there, it's about trying to get a medal. Um, and then all of a sudden you start putting this whole set of new pressures on yourself again. Um, but yeah, it was it was a very, very nice moment. Because of COVID restrictions, you had to stay in a holding camp uh, for your final sort of training camp for the games and then you flew to Tokyo what were the COVID restrictions like so they normally do a bit of a kind of holding camp preparation anyway um so we're down at Celtic Manor um training at Newport I've never been to Newport Velodrome um and we were so well looked after we kind of had chefs and we kind of um catering was in a marquee and we were in these kind of wooden lodges and it was it's pretty luxurious pretty, pretty enjoyable um but once we were there we were kind of in this enclosed bubble um so there was no no really kind of contact with the outside world to some extent um normally we've got swannies and they go to the shop and get stuff but they weren't really doing that um we were just this kind of self-contained unit and it was actually quite fun because you're just hanging out with your friends effectively um, and then we were doing, I think it was every other day we were doing lateral flows. So I got really good at doing lateral flow tests. That was, that was fun. You could tell when everyone's doing it because everyone starts kind of sneezing and crying and it's <laughs> good fun. Um, and then there was a couple of kind of PCR tests as well. Um, and then I remember we flew in, we got, um, oh, that was quite fun. So went to the airport, can't even remember, maybe Heathrow. Um, and we kind of got escorted obviously you know you're all kitted out in your matching outfits and it's like first day of school you all feel real smart walking along um and then we got taken to a BA lounge but obviously we still had to do like the usual kind of checking and security but they kind of it was like one of these kind of school groups of um the airport staff taking us and kind of shepherding us 
and we got through security and then it was like they kind of cleared a path for us and just kind of marched us right through the middle of the airport to go to the kind of lounge and try to keep you know members of the public away from us um as much as possible the airport was actually pretty quiet but it was, it was just like one of these little kind of bizarre things you just kind of herded through um the middle of this busy airport um and then we landed in landed in tokyo and uh we must have walked miles, like walking up and down these terminals. Uh, you had to do a test and you had like these forms and you would go and you get checked through one bit and then they give you a different form and then you went to a different bit and then they give you a different form and you just queued and queued and queued. Um, and then finally you went, you kind of sat in this massive big hall um, and you had to wait for your COVID results and they wouldn't give you your accreditation until you had a negative COVID test back. Um, I would heard from other sports and other people who'd flown in that some of them had been like there for kind of eight hours or like ridiculously long times. So we were all sat there prepared to be, yeah, it was like a kind of school desk type thing that you all kind of sat at these little tables. Is I think I can't remember the the stuff showing on a big screen and stuff, but you all just kind of sat there and been like, oh, how long are we going to be? Um, but we were really fortunate. I think it was maybe only about kind of an hour or something we had to wait. Um, but I just remember there was a I can't remember what it said, but there was this yellow bit of paper that you needed to keep showing to people. And it was literally like this magic bit of paper that you kind of showed it and you got waved through here and then you got waved through the next bit. Um, and then we went to a holding hotel and it was taken over by all of um, Team GB. So we started to see like other athletes and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is this, this suddenly seems a lot more real because at that point it'd just been us in our little bubble um, and then you can mix it with more people. And then part of you is like, do I want to mix with you people? I know you've all been tested lots, but also I'm not used to mixing with people, you know, just spent two and a half weeks with, you know, within my little cycling bubble. Um, and now there's like other sports. Um, and yeah, I think it was daily testing there. And then we got shipped out to um, where the velodrome was, which was in a different province which was actually worked out really well for us. So we still had to do, I think it was every day, we had these uh, COVID tests that we had to do, which was a spit test. Um, and you had to basically produce a certain amount of saliva in the bottom of this tube every morning. And you had to do it before you'd kind of eaten or drink, drank anything. Um, and as you can imagine, it's actually quite hard to produce enough saliva when you haven't had anything to eat or drink every single morning. Um, so that was fun um the real olympic spirit that they don't tell you about um <laughs> but it's one of these things if you kind of you you'd mumble and grow and be like oh i've got to do another COVID test but then you think well if this means that the olympics goes ahead then yeah I'm, I'm happy to keep testing but as i said so the where we were was actually in a this slightly different province and it meant it had slightly different COVID rules so we were actually allowed um some local spectators were allowed to come in and um, and fill the velodrome somewhat. I think they still had to be socially distanced. Um, and th there was lots of signs of like they, they weren't allowed to scream or shout and stuff. So all like clapping really excitedly. Um, but it was it was really nice because you saw like on the TV watching like other events and there's like obviously there's the grandstands and stadiums, but they're empty or there's other athletes who are sat there or the coaching, but it's basically there's no there's no fans. Um so we we had a couple of I, I don't know how many, but like maybe a couple hundred fans or something. And it, it was it was really nice because it, it just meant there was a little bit of an atmosphere, um, which was quite nice. In the team pursuit, you got a silver medal. Tell me about the race. So, yeah, um, 
we had a brilliant ride. So we were against, in the first round, we were against America and we knew that was going to be really hard. We had to beat them to get into the gold-silver final. Um, and we knew, you know, obviously they'd beaten us at Worlds the year before and we knew it was going to be a really, a really close event. Um, and it was, and it was hard. <laughs> um, but we won and we actually broke the world record and there was this huge kind of euphoria and it was brilliant. We're like, great, this is good. And then obviously... Um, Germany went and um, went even quicker and a bit like ah, alright this is going to be hard and then it was actually only an hour's turnaround between the, the two rides um, and I remember there was a little bit of debate because you got five riders but only obviously four race and it was like who's actually going to ride and there was a little bit of kind of debate um, and I, you know, I was confident I was riding and kind of head was in the game but it was such a an emotional roller coaster in such a short space of time. Um, right, we've beaten America, which was hard. We've broken the world record. We're now going to have to go even faster. We're against Germany, who've got amazing form. And it, I just remember kind of going up thinking, right, this is going to be hard. And it just never quite came together. And I remember kind of riding, feeling like, oh, shoot, we're just not going to do it. And giving everything, but kind of because I went to bail and I remember kind of swinging up and just looking back down, going, Oh, this is not gonna go well. And it's such a bittersweet because obviously you're an Olympic silver medalist and it's amazing. And if you, you say, Do you want an Olympic silver medal going into it? You're like, Yeah, absolutely. And it's this, this huge sense of achievement, but in the team pursuit because it's a race and it's you come off losing the race mm. you feel that you've lost and it's horrible because you know you should be ecstatic and delighted because you've won a silver medal and so many people never manage to achieve that and you should be delighted and yet you feel that you've lost and yeah it's it's really it's quite tricky to get your head around I think in some sense being winning the bronze is better because you feel you've won it whereas when you win silver it's almost like you've lost it, if that makes sense. Um, and it's yeah, it was, it was a bit weird because you part of you is so happy and delighted, and the other part of you is a bit disappointed. And I think at the time, there's possibly a little bit more disappointment, but looking back, you kind of realise no, like it is something to be really proud of, and um, yeah, it's just it's the, the nature of it, and unfortunately, the Germans were flying on that day um but yeah still it's it was over so fast as well it was kind of like oh I, I'm not ready for this to be over um so there was a little bit of sadness for that because you've obviously built this this huge moment everything has been leading towards this moment and then there's a year's delay so you've got this even more anticipation and then yeah it's it's, it's all over and you yeah <laughs> A bit sad that it's over. Obviously, you said that there's pressure that comes with uh, riding for GB, and I think it must have been really tough to sort of feel the pressure. And it probably did take a while for all of you guys to sort of let it sink in that you'd won a silver medal. Like I know if I was in that place, it was sort of I would feel like oh, I'm so close to the goal, but then like got silver at your first 
Olympic Games like that's amazing thinking that 10 years ago like you weren't really interested in riding a bike it's amazing yeah it's because British cycling has been so successful on the track there is this huge expectation and I think especially with the Olympics because you get a lot of people who don't really follow cycling who will who will watch it because it's Olympics and they watch the Olympics which is great and it's really good for the sport but they almost don't understand the backstory so they just kind of tune in every four years and like ah yeah so Great Britain's gonna win um and you kind of go yeah but there's there's been a lot of developments and like aerodynamics has improved so much and just the dynamics of it all like there's so so much that goes into it and yeah there was definitely a sense of disappointment as I said because it's you lose the gold medal rather than you win the silver so the, you already have that inner self kind of yeah disappointment and then there's definite um kind of public going oh it's brilliant you know you've, you've won a silver but also just great Britain not always win gold on the track and and you kind of go oh um but yeah with time it definitely again it was one of those kind of reflection moments the heat of the moment you were a little bit disappointed but with time it was kind of for me especially I look back and basically I hadn't done team suit before I got on the British cycling program so that was 2017 and you kind of go actually that's that's a pretty big achievement you should be really proud of it and I am but there is a competitive element of me going oh you know I want to to come back in Paris and I want to I want to win the gold um and I think you know I say that for myself I suspect all my teammates feel very similar to that of we all have this drive and competitiveness that we want to be the best we want to we want to win um and it can be really difficult when you don't get the result that you really want to kind of come to terms with it because you know that it's it is difficult and there is this huge huge pressure around it and as much as you've given everything there's a team that that got it got it right and and was able to give more on that given day and you kind of feel you know where have we gone wrong and I think it's yeah it, it was a really kind of tricky time of knowing that we've achieved a huge amount and it is something to be proud of but also kind of going yeah but you know not why didn't we win but what can we do to improve this so next time we do come away with the gold medal um and I think that's kind of almost how I how I dealt with it of this is brilliant and I am really proud of it but what can I do next time to to be one step higher mm. Later in the year at the European Championships, you and Katie Archibald won gold in the Madison. Then, not long after, you two won the bronze in the Madison at the Worlds. You must be such a strong pairing together. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I I really like doing Madison with Katie. I think we've got a kind of similar racing dynamic, so a lot of the time we can know not even what the other one's thinking, but you can, uh, you almost predict a little bit where the other person's going to be, which makes such a huge difference in the Madison um, of just you, when you say the resting rider, you can look down and you're like, right, she's going to start moving up. I'll, I need to kind of press on a little bit here or whatever it is. And we just, 
we definitely gel. Um, and I think with the Madison, it's you can have two really good bunch riders, but they don't necessarily do a good Madison together. But you can have, you know, two riders that come together and it, it is almost like the sum is greater than the parts, if that makes sense. Or if you get someone who compliments you, um, you can just make such a such a strong pairing. And I definitely think, I mean, I'm hoping she feels the same, but um, I, I would like the opportunity to do more Madisons with it going forward because I think, you know, we, we do, we race together really well. Um, and we hadn't actually done a huge, we'd done a few kind of six days together and normally they'd gone really well, but we hadn't done, we'd never done a World Cup together. So it was the first time years of us kind of racing of that standard. Um, and we made a few mistakes, but we we definitely improved for it. And Worlds, Worlds was a bit frustrating for me because I'd ended up with a bit of illness going into it and I, I really didn't feel good. And I was so frustrated because I was like, this could go really well, um, but I know my legs aren't in a great place. So it was it was still really good to come away with the bonds because it's kind of going, right, that's, that's me subpar. Like, if I if I could bring that, you know, good form. Yeah, we, we've got um, a really strong pairing for the future. Um, so I'm hoping, we'll see. Um, Glasgow 2023 is um, still quite a while off, but obviously for us, I think we'd both really like to to race it together um, in front of a home crowd would be pretty special. We're now in 2022. You did a training camp with GB at the start of the year. How did that go? So it's quite fun. So I basically had a really good winter where I was hardly in the UK, um, <laughs> which was, yeah, it was really good. So I'd gone to Tenerife with um, Johnny and the Tanfields and we did a, like me and Johnny, we stayed out a bit longer, but we were out nearly a month. I'd actually gone to Grenchen for a track race in the middle of that. Um, but that was really fun kind of over Christmas, New Year, and then came back. Or I think I was back for about five days or something and then went out to Mallorca with um, GB and then I was back from that one for about two weeks and went back out to Tenerife so yeah definitely a good way to, to spend the winter um, but the, the GB camp was good fun so we're in an Airbnb it used to be on British Cycling Camps we used to do a lot in hotels but kind of post-Covid well it's actually pre-Covid we started doing one or two in an Airbnb and it worked quite well in Valencia and then with COVID, we've actually continued to do that. Um, and especially with like a smaller team, it works really well. Um, it's much more fun. And we're often spoiled to having a chef or something. Um, this camp, we didn't actually have a chef with us, but we had um, the nutritionist was out in Swanee um, and they did a lot of cooking. So that was, that was quite sweet. But it was it was nice to be in Mallorca because I'd done a camp when I first got on GB, we'd done a Mallorca camp, but I hadn't really been since. So it was quite nice to get back and kind of vaguely remember some roads. Um, and it was mainly with the the academy girls who I hadn't spent that much time with. So it was really nice to train with a kind of a different bunch of people. Um, and then just on kind of some like vaguely familiar but different roads. Um, I remember the final day when I'd been there previously, we'd stayed the the Palmer side of the island. And I remember on the final day we did like quite a big ride. I was doing a climb and I was like, oh, I think I've been up here once before. Um, and I remember from my first camp with GB, we'd done this climb and I'd never, never done like a proper climb before. And I remember Paul had set us off at the bottom and it was just like, 
I don't know, threshold effort up to the top. And me being an idiot just set off at like quite a hard tempo, thinking that that's oh, gonna be like three, five, three minutes, five minutes, I don't know. Not that long, but you know, that's how long a, a long climb is. Um and obviously, you know, 20 minutes later going, oh geez, so um climbing is actually quite hard. <laughs> and I remember absolutely like I got up at really actually pretty well but I'd obviously gone way too hard because I didn't want to have to back off and be like yeah so this isn't actually sustainable um I think I'd done like a race type effort up it so it was quite fun to go back and do this climb again knowing that actually it's going to take me like 20 minutes um and just chill a little bit more beforehand um but yeah it it was really nice um I really enjoy training camps it's you don't get distracted by stuff that you would normally do at home and um you you just recover a lot a lot better um and it's just yeah it's a nice change of scenery um and the weather is always a lot better at track nationals in march you came away with the individual pursuit and the points uh national champs jersey then you and laura kenny won the madison national champs you must be so pleased to be national champion in three disciplines on the track yeah, it's quite a quite a good kind of um little stint of racing for me. Um, as I kind of said previously, national champs are always a little bit difficult for kind of podium rider because a lot of people look at you, expect you to do well. But I'd been in quite a big kind of training block, so I knew my legs were not in the best shape. Um, but there's still this expectation of like, ah, oh, you you should do well, and you're kind of going. But I've also done a like a twenty-three hour week last week, so we shall see. Um, so yeah, it was really nice to come away with um the titles this year. Um, and it's really fun doing the 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 Madison with Laura because we we'd done a little bit of a training camp leading into it, so we were both sw- swinging. Um, and then we kind of got to the race, we're just like, oh, this could be hard. <laughs> um, but no, it was really good fun. You were awarded the Scottish Student Athlete of the Year Award. Can you tell me what this is? I'm not very good at not doing anything. I think it's um just I've always been quite active. And with cycling, a lot of it is about recovery and letting your body adapt to the training that you've done. And it's something that I am terrible at. Um, that I'll go and I'll do my hard ride and then I'll find something to do because um, I just don't like sitting doing nothing. And I decided that actually, if I did a master's, it would be quite a sensible thing for me in that it gives me like this kind of something completely different from cycling. So I can switch off from cycling. I can use my brain, learn something new, but it's not too challenging. Um, But I've discovered that I tried to just do a bit of kind of um learning on my own and yeah it was a bit too lazy so I need a deadline to kind of motivate me to some extent so I signed up for doing an online master's and it's been brilliant and I absolutely love doing it because it is like it's it's just the right amount of distraction for me without being too much um so it doesn't take away from the cycling but it gives me something else to kind of focus on and um I've been really lucky that Glasgow University have been super super supportive of me um and helped me kind of juggle it all and so the Scottish student award was just a kind of recognition of the fact that I'm trying to do something in academia along with my sporting career I think most other people it's 
you know, they're at university and they're doing the university degree with sport on the side, whereas I've obviously done sport with academia on the side. Um, and I'm not going to lie, every so often I get a deadline due and I'm like, why am I doing this? This is such a stupid idea. This is my choice. I've done this to myself. I don't need this uh, qualification. And yet I'm sat here trying to do the, meet this deadline. Um, and then, I, yeah, I do it. And um, yeah, I've actually... This is now my second master's. So I, I completed my dissertation just before going to holding camp for the Olympics. And then kind of thinking, right, that's it. I'll I've done my master's. I don't need to to do anything else. And then over the summer I was a bit like a bit bored, kind of miss not having something to do. Um so I signed up for a second one. So this year the Commonwealth Games were held in Birmingham and you were selected to represent Scotland. Firstly was the individual pursuit and you came away with the bronze medal and a new British record. Were you expecting this result? Um well fun fact about the, the, the Birmingham um Commonwealth Games, uh never actually made it to Birmingham because <laughs> the track event was in London, the T T was Wolverhampton and the road race was Warwick. So I successfully went to the Birmingham Commonwealth Games without actually making it to Birmingham, uh, which I thought was quite a good achievement. Um <laughs> Individual pursuit for me, I I focus a little bit more on it. As I've said previously, within British Cycling, we don't really do any individual pursuit training. Um, but the way Commies works, obviously, I'm kind of based um with Scottish Cycling, and uh, there's an opportunity to do a little bit more kind of focused training on it, which I kind of seized and thought, right, this is quite a good prep. Um, because obviously with individual pursuit, it's basically a, a three and a bit minute effort um and it's yeah it's hard work um but I quite enjoyed just the the kind of challenge of it and how I was going to approach it because normally we go into some pretty blind of we just we just wing it um whereas for this I actually did a um a couple of kind of actual training efforts for it which yeah don't normally do and um it, it was quite fun and I knew with the training that I'd done, I it depends a little bit on conditions as well, because that's the other thing with the track of track conditions play such a huge role in timed events um, and achieving good times. But I knew if conditions were good to average, um, I would be on par to, to break the British record, which is pretty exciting. I think going into it, I'd said if I could do a sub C25, I'd have been happy. And then the way you trick, um, my kind of training efforts went I was like yeah I should be able to break the British record so that then became a new target and then I kind of wasn't too fussed about the result of obviously I wanted to medal and I wanted to do well but it's one of these kind of events of it depends what everybody else has um so I was really pleased to break the British record I was a little bit disappointed with my my first ride of it didn't I didn't execute it quite as well as I'd hoped and how it'd been going in training but given that it is one of these of um granny who won like she was she was going a lot quicker <laughs> um so it's it, it was that kind of bittersweet of i've done really well but also i'm still still not where i need to be to win um which is all right it, it means i've got a bit of motivation and drive before the next one you then got a silver medal in the points race. Can you tell me about that race? So that one, I 
uh, went in with a tactic of wanting to kind of sit back a little bit and not get too involved with the early sprints. And then I realized maybe, I can't remember how far through the race, I was like, am I taking this a bit too extreme? I really should start to score some points. And I definitely had a moment of panic of going, shoot, 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 shoot. I think I really messed this one up. Um, and then I, I kind of just managed to be like, relax, just take your time. Um, and yeah, managed to to kind of stick to the, the plan, start scoring some some reasonable points, get a lap. Um, and yeah, came away with the silver medal. It's Commonwealth Games, it's a bit tricky because you've got multiple per nation. So there is, there's not meant to be teamwork, but there definitely is teamwork. And um, it was very clear that the Aussies had a plan and were sticking to it. And I think it would have been very difficult to beat in Georgia. And obviously I was I was the only Scott there. So I, yeah, it was just me on my Todd. Um, so yeah, I was, I was really pleased with the silver medal. Um, I raced, as I said, I went in with a different tactic from how I've raced previously. And I, I would... At one point, I was like, oh, dear, I don't like this tactic. Um, But, yeah, it came, it came good in the end. Then you did the time trial, which I was lucky enough to come and watch. And then in the rage race, you got another silver medal. What an amazing game to be. Yeah, so the time trial, we'll skip over that one. I had a, a very near miss right at the, um, at the beginning and I ended up... I mean, I didn't actually come down, but I ended up on the wrong side of the barriers and, yeah, a bit of a disaster and had a few technical issues with that so we'll skip over the tt apart from the crowds which were ridiculous like there was so much support the whole way around it was it was yeah bizarre i didn't i thought there'd be like groups of spectators and like little kind of clusters but it was just it was continuous it was really really nice um and a lot of like really good support um so that made it a bit more enjoyable and then the road race Originally, I wasn't going to do the road race um, because we were supposed to be flying to the European Champs and I haven't done any road racing since 2018. And I kind of thought, uh, I'm not, like, I haven't done any prep for it. I'm not, I'm not that fast that I can't do it. And then the flights for Euros changed um, so that I could. And I was like, well, if you can get me, like, you know, I'll I'll walk around. And um, Anna Shackley was doing it. And I kind of said, you know, if, if I can do something to support Anna... Like I'll, I'll I'll do it and and just have a bit of fun really because it's not often you get to represent Scotland and I'm going to take this opportunity. So I went into it feeling pretty apprehensive and we had a bit a few kind of game plans because it was just me and Anna and um you know kind of sat there asking for you know such basic advice on how how do you run with what do I do if this happens what do I do if that happens um you know give me a really clear set of instructions and um it was really fun. I to begin with it was a bit like I don't know what I'm doing I definitely feel out my depth it's been a long time since I've been on a bunch what's kind of going on and there was lots and lots of attacks which we kind of knew were going to come and me and Anna just said right we'll take it in turns kind of cover it up if there's a move like go with it but obviously don't do any work let the the bigger nations do it and I was really enjoying it because I you know I felt I had a purpose and something to do and I was just kind of doing that and ticking along yeah, I was quite enjoying it. And then I can't remember on what lap, but Anna came up to me and she was like, it's going to be a sprint finish. Like, do you feel good for it? And I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> um, yes, I guess. 
because we knew that on paper I would I would be the the strongest sprinter out of the two of us. But I, I suddenly felt this kind of huge amount of pressure because up to that point, I kind of been riding just thinking, well, I'll get in the break and not really worry about it. Um, you know, like go with the move or Anna will go with the move and one of these will stick and that, that'll be it. Um, and then it was just that kind of realisation of, ah, shoot, right. Um, I'm going to have to sprint here. And it was really fun. <laughs> it was really good fun. With a couple of K to go, Anna kind of found me and was just like, right, follow me for as long and then jump on some wheels. So we kind of, at one point I was like, oh, we're too far back, we're too far back. But I kind of trusted her and we we started moving forward. Um, And I could see like the Aussies had a really good lead out and the kind of English were getting organised and there was kind of like, oh, it was pretty chaotic, it was really fun. Um, and then I kind of lost Anna's wheel for a bit because I was like, oh, I don't think she's moving forward enough, but she kind of did. So I jumped back on her and then um, I could see she was starting to swing and I was like, right, <laughs> is where I need to find a better wheel. Um, and I think I jumped on Alice Barnes' wheel at that stage. And I knew I'd been kind of pushing a bit more wind than I wanted to. Um, like I hadn't been on the front, but I just like in the side, just like um, pushing a bit more. And it was one of these of... I wasn't confident enough to be like right in the middle of the bunch if I wanted an, kind of an escape route. And then, yeah, it just launched and everybody kind of started sprinting. And I was like, yeah, this, this bit I know. Um, and I just got my head down and pedaled hard. Um, and it was, yeah, got silver medal. So I was delighted with that because, again, like the Aussies had such a strong lead out chain. Someone said to me afterwards, like, oh, you should have gotten Georgie's wheel. And it's like, yeah, but they had. Sarah was on as a sweeper, like they had it all covered. I had to to come from the other side of the road if I wanted um wanted the result. And I think in hindsight, oh, it's easy. I probably needed to have gone a bit sooner, but then I'd have been pushing the wind for longer. So yeah, there's, there's all kinds of if, if buts maybe's, but um given how I felt going into it, I yeah, I delighted really zero expectations of a medal. Um, at one point I was like I'll just see you know if I last a couple of laps that'll do and then it's like you ca- you count them down and then going oh right there's only two left and then Anna's like right you're gonna have to sprint um, <laughs> yeah, it was re- yeah it was really fun because um, I, I kind of because I haven't road raced in quite a while I'd almost forgotten how fun it can be and I, I kind of been quite content and not road racing and now I'm kind of like oh actually I think I might go and do some more now um, but yeah so it was good fun so you carried the form into the European Championships, but you didn't feel like you got the result that you wanted. Can you tell me about this? Yeah, so yours was uh, a frustrating one. Um, <laughs> the the team suit went fairly well considering everything. We'd never ridden together. Um, literally just done a few, well, the training sessions where we're out there, which was pretty nerve-wracking because it was on a 200-metre track. I'd never ridden a 200 meter track. I think some of the others had, um, but not for a couple of years. And yeah, really was pretty different for, for team pursuiting. Really changed the feel of um, like your changes, just the line you took. Um, obviously like your turn length of like you're used to doing say like a two lap turn then all of a sudden that's, you need to do a two and a half lap turn and it's just different stuff to get your head around. Um, so there was a lot of unknowns and a lot of kind of stuff thrown at us for the team pursuit um so I think we actually considering everything we rode pretty well together and that was you know it, it was difficult because obviously the last time I've ridden team pursuit at Euros would won um 
so you kind of there was a slight bit of disappointment but when you consider everything you can think you know for where we're at it was a pretty good result and there's a lot of potential for the future and then I did the points race and that one uh, I went for a move and it was just I went to go and get a lap and I went a bit early and then I was trying to be smart and hang off the back to get some spin points before getting on the bunch and just as I did that I pretty much blew up and the bunch accelerated and I was just like oh shoot I have messed that one up um and I basically rode the opposite of how I'd done um commies where I'd, I'd left it quite late and been pretty chilled and then gone for it and here I was like right I don't I'd left it too late so I was like right I'm gonna I'm gonna go earlier um and then yeah I went too early so um yeah <laughs> eventually I'm gonna get my Goldilocks uh points face and I'll get it just right um, so that was really frustrating because I knew I had good legs, but just the way I raced, um, I wasn't able to show it. And then the Madison, I'd never done Madison with Pfeiffer before. We'd done a few changes in training, but it's just not the same as doing like proper training sessions. Um, you know, the, these, the training sessions that you have when you're at an event are pretty chaotic because you've got all kinds of different nations trying to do different things. Um, and it's really hard to actually t- to get a decent session done. Um, and obviously we had racing around it. So we went in having done, you know, maybe a dozen changes. Um, so it was going to be, it was going to be a big ask. And it became apparent that the way we were sprinting, we weren't going to get a result with that. So I kind of said, listen, we, we're going to have to, I mean, it wasn't as many words as that because it was mid-race, but I was like, we're going to have to get a lap here. Um, so the opportunity went for it and we got the lap and yeah it was came down to the final sprint and we made a mistake with the change and it's just that kind of I think the the fact that we hadn't ridden together and then the French kind of got between our change and it just it was it was frustrating because we had been in such good we'd put ourselves in a good position and then to lose it just at the end was it was pretty heartbreaking but again it's one of these if you consider the fact that we'd never done Madison together you think well actually it was it was a really good result um but i think it's just that because we had been in a good place and then kind of lost it um so last minute it was yeah it was not a not the best note to finish on um but unfortunately that's racing and yeah some, some of the other nations were absolutely flying and um it showed what are your goals for the rest of the season at the moment i've just got the world championships oh and it might be uh, some class ones maybe later in the year but basically the the worlds are my only target left for the year um so that's hopefully going to be quite exciting i have just had covid which is not ideal preparation for it but that's the the risk of when you travel um yeah ended up with it after after euros so just easing back into training now and hoping that i can get some fitness back and get the form that i had for commies and if i have that and some decent racecraft worlds hopefully should go pretty well so it's quite an exciting time in the if i hadn't had covid i'd I'd be very excited about how it'd go um having had covid i'm now a little bit more apprehensive as to to what's going to happen but i'd had such a good kind of season um just building not i deliberately not done a huge amount of racing just to, to to build fitness almost going back to to what i'd done in 2020 um and I saw that it come worked well for commies and I kind of this was like the next layer on it was gonna build into worlds. 
so I'm hoping that it's it's not all doom and gloom and um COVID has been kind to me and I will come out fighting fit but yeah we shall see. Where do you see yourself in the next few years are you looking forward to Glasgow Worlds 2023? Yeah um I did a bit of media for that and it was one of these ones where it just felt so cheesy and cliche being like I can't wait I'm so excited um obviously that's what they're telling you to say but I I I do actually feel it because um for me Glasgow Glasgow's my home track it's it's where I learn whenever you look up at the the crowds and the spectators it's like maybe not half of them but you recognize loads of people from like when I started out and it's just it's really nice it's it's um, I like racing on the track. It's got really steep bankings compared to some tracks, um, which I I think is really fun. And yeah, I it's it's definitely a highlight for me next year. Of that that is my major target is I want to come out absolutely flying for Glasgow, and then the year after that, um, obviously is Paris, and I would very much like to go and improve on last year's, yeah, last year's results. Um, it's a bit weird because it's like you get so so in tune to the Olympics is every four years and then obviously it's three years which kind of ruins yeah. it a bit um don't know what's going to happen the year after that and then all of a sudden are we back round for another commies yeah something like that um it is one of these of it's just it's quite nice it's like stuff just keep you going keep going so I've no I'd like to do some road racing um but I haven't really got anything lined up just yet at the moment. I'm still very much track as my, my number one priority, uh, especially leading into Glasgow, because as I said, I, I would I would love to win in front of a home crowd. I think that would be, not many people get to do that. So that would be very, very, yeah. One of those kind of special moments that y- you will remember for Like there's a lot of kind of race results that you can be proud of or mean something to you. And I think, um if you were to win a world title in front of a home crowd that's something that's yeah that would be pretty surreal what's your favorite race you've ever done good question um i mean i guess this year the fate my, my kind of the one i had most fun with was the road race at commonwealth games purely because it was so unexpected um it was just a bit yeah maybe not the whole it was quite long um like the the final couple of k that was great fun um i think because it's most like a track race I'm like yeah I like this but um i mean the olympics obviously is special because it's olympics but it wasn't the best ride we've ever done i think in terms of team pursuit the european championships in 2020 was as a team we rode so well together um and I think because it was the end of COVID and everything else it was it was a really special one everything just kind of came together and worked and yeah we had a we had a great ride sometimes people have likened to um team suiting to it's almost like it it happens on autopilot it's just everything just slots into place and it's just like boom 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 and it's quite mesmerizing and that was one of those rides where it was everything just kind of worked and it was fine. And then other times you do a team suit and it's like, oh, carnage. And it's just a horrible experience. Whereas that that team suit was really, yeah, everything just kind of clicked and it was really good. Um, it's tricky because sometimes you get a good a race that you really enjoy, but you don't get a great result. And other times you get a good result and you don't feel that you've actually raced as well as you could have. Um, 
but yeah, so that that for team pursuit, and then for a bunch, I guess that scratch race at Gold Coast was really good for me in that I still it was still such low expectations on what I could achieve, and I remember just being at the back of the bunch, and then a couple of laps later, it's like oh, I got a silver medal. Um, so that was, and I think it was a a bit of a turning point in my career of being a bit of an unknown rider who got an opportunity to ride for British Cycling and at that stage a lot of people if you didn't know Rebs like they would have never heard of me they didn't know what I'd done and then obviously Gold Coast happened and I came away with those two results and yeah it it was a definite turning point so yeah I think I've named three races but that's fine. (laughs) Who's your favourite current rider? So I guess it's it's a kind of tricky one. Um, I really like racing against Katie. <laughs> um, she's really fun to race against. She 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 makes the races interesting. Um, she does a lot of video analysis and thinks a lot about them. And yeah, she she's just always fun to race. She 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 won't sit back and just let the race unfold. Um, she she you know makes it interesting. So she's really fun to race against. Um. I think like Lotta Kopecki, she's doing really well. Um, again, she's like, she's a a proper racer. Um, whereas sometimes you you get people who kind of, they get really good results, but they don't animate the race. Um, whereas those two both make it, yeah, they make it fun. What's your advice for young riders? Um, so I'm gonna say that that's not a particularly good question because I was older when I got into cycling, so I think it should be advice for all riders. I think. There's a huge amount of support for youngsters to get into cycling. And um, I think that's brilliant because it is, cycling can be so fun. It can be serious. You know, obviously I do it because I like racing and I'm competitive, but there's this huge kind of social aspect to it, which often gets kind of forgotten about. And I think there's a, a huge emphasis of you've got to be young and you start when you're, I don't know, six and you work your way up through the ranks. And I think that's brilliant. And there's definitely one way of doing it. And a lot of successful riders have done that. But also, even if you haven't and you're a bit older, doesn't mean you can't still make it. Um, and I think it's one of these of even if you're doing a different sport and you're kind of going, oh, I've always fancied that or I might give it a go. Just try it. Um, it's amazing what what you can do if you if you stick at it and give it a chance. And it's not to say that it will work out straight away. And I think that's really true for kind of youngsters of you're going to go through phases where you think it's brilliant and great and other phases where you're going, oh, it's just not working for me. And I think that's just life. Um, It's never plain sailing. It's never super easy. There's always trials and tribulations. And the thing with social media, like loads of people post about the good times, but very few actually post about the bad times. But it doesn't mean that they don't happen. It just people choose not to to share that side of the, their story if you like um so i think give it a go and if you enjoy it stick at it and don't be afraid to fail because yeah life's full of failures and mistakes but you learn from it and if you're enjoying it it doesn't matter um i think that's the most important thing of if you really enjoy what you're doing you get through the bad days um and the good days make it all worthwhile You've got five minutes before you head down to the start of a race. What's on your playlist to get you motivated? 
it depends a little bit on what mood I'm in, in that I am very good at actually not listening to music, if that makes sense, or I kind of don't listen to the lyrics, I just kind of listen to the beat and the rhythm a little bit, Um, which means that I once did... I once did a climb in Gran Canaria, which was, I can't remember, we were riding for like two and a half hours or something. And it turns out I was listening to, I think, maybe the same four songs on repeat. I'd messed up my my playlist. I didn't have a clue until I got to the top and I was like, this this kind of seems familiar. And then afterwards I was like, like, oh. So for me, I've not got like a go-to song that I've got to listen to to get me in the mood and got me pumped. Um, I quite like at the moment Above and Beyond it's pretty generic upbeat kind of tempo-y stuff and I quite like it um or the other ones kind of lost frequencies because I get really I love racing and I get really excited so sometimes I've actually got to like chill myself out a little bit um you know some people you hear them and you like you can hear the music through their headphones and you're like just chill but they've got to get like super pumped and super up for it. Whereas I don't, I've, I've actually just got to kind of like keep myself quite chilled and just um, focused on on what I'm doing. I, I like to write myself a little list of exactly what I need to do when and where, because it's so easy to get distracted and just, you know, you start warming up early and all the rest of it. Um, so I try and have like nothing too dramatic on the playlist. Thanks so much for sharing your cycling life story with me, Nia. Oh, thank you for letting me share it. It's uh, been fun to self-indulge and talk about it myself. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, I'd love it if you'd check out my other episodes. They're available wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm on social media, on Instagram and the GCN app. Don't forget to leave me a review and tell me what you think of my podcast. It's amazing for me to hear your feedback. See you on the bike. <laughs>